And welcome to the Buddy Martin Show. It's the late night dilly dilly. Yes, it's time again for Buddy Martin. Call him up and tell him what you're thinking. But be kind because he's doing the best he can. Better. Stronger. Faster. Mama says that alligators are ornery because they got all them teeth but no toothbrush. Hey! What if the voice calls while you're gone? Take a message. Bye. You ready, champ? I'm ready for this my whole life. I'm incapable of small talk. <laughs> but that's why you love me, right? Kind of intimidating to be in the presence of so many great athletes. Good evening and welcome to a Monday night. It's the late night Deli Deli, the Buddy Martin Show. It's an off week, but you wouldn't know it. Talking to Gator fans, they're really relieved, excited, and cannot wait until the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. And yes, I've said it, and I'll say it again. I tweeted it out today. And I'm sick and tired of people telling us how to be politically correct. I get it. I know the history on it, all that kind of stuff. But bottom line is, we can call it what we want to. They can call it what they want to, and we can call it what we want to. And here, and in the Gator Nation Kingdom, is the late night Dilly Dilly show here on a Monday night. And it's the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Glad to be with you tonight. I see you're all checking in. Good evening to you. All you folks out there, Joanne, Claire, checking in real soon. Or first one up, Joanne, David, Alexander, Becky Smith, Carlisle, Roger Burns, Ningbo China, checking in. Roger, hope you're doing well over there in nature, buddy. Um, Bill Pace, uh, James Reed, uh, David Fortune, Kurt, Lynn, Joe, Kevin, John, John, all you folks checking in tonight. Good to hear from you tonight. All right. We got some things to cover tonight. We'll have uh, the Minister of Information, Greg, um, Greg, I want to say Greg Graham. He's the Chief of Police. Graham Hall will join us in about 10 minutes and we'll get his take of the game, what's transpired since, what's ahead this weekend. We're going to take a look at the SEC standings, where we are now at the halfway point and what we expected to happen. What we see has happened and what we think might happen in the second half. It's been a remarkable ride for some teams, namely the Florida Gators, and it far exceeds what even we said we thought it might happen when we started this whole thing about 10 months ago. Uh, and look, I'm a little bit aggravated with some of you people who said, well, where's your prediction now? You know, look, we do this every night and we make our changing predictions because things change and at one point in time we thought the Gators might win eight nine or ten games as the season as, as the spring went on and the quarterback thing settled in we we projected it out to nine possibly ten the Kentucky game all threw us a curveball we misread that that was not what we thought it was so we backed it down maybe eight seven who knows at one point in time we talked seven but I think we've seen clearly 
the credentials established now on the road. When you think about going on the road, Mississippi State winning a huge game. You look back at that game, you just can't imagine now how important that game was. Certainly, uh, the big win over home over LSU. Uh, pulling that one out in Vanderbilt, that's a way for your team to mature, overcoming your own mistakes, uh, hanging in there one time. They, they didn't just get hit in the mouth. They got hit in the mouth, punched in the groin, and somebody stomped them with hobnail boots. Things were going terrible. I got my whole notebook here. I took a lot of notes this week, uh, and I went back and looked at it. And with six minutes to go in the third quarter, this game was looked like it could be lost easily. Things were not going the right way, and then things happened. So I made a list of my BBPs, Buddy Biggest Plays, and then I wrote down and circled some things, the moment of truth. There were several points in that game in Nashville where the game could have gone either way based on a play that had just happened. There was reason to fold your tents, and the Gators didn't fold their tents. So out of this comes strength, uh, and I think Dan Mullen said it several times. They didn't follow the plan to win, but they won anyway. I likened it over the weekend to Tiger Woods back in his heyday, shooting a 78 and turning into a 71. Great teams and great players do that kind of thing. So tonight we'll talk to Graham Hall. We'll catch up with him. And then the Iron Duke has got some things he wants to talk about. I spoke with him earlier. He wants to take a look at the SEC. What do we see? I mean, look at, look at the team itself, what we didn't expect. We were chastising the offensive line here just a few weeks ago as being the weakness of the team, especially after Kentucky. Uh, and the offensive line – I, I ran one play back 10 times and watched it. The Jordan Scarlet touchdown, 48 yards. I looked at the key, got the numbers of the key blocks. That thing was blocked so beautifully. How about the fake punt right out of Urban Meyer's playbook? Exactly the same kind of thing they ran. And so, obviously, Dan Mullen learned the defeat of a pretty good coach, and he has some of the same philosophies. Dan's a very smart guy, like I say, He's a chess meister. He's playing chess, and they're playing checkers. So Dan Mullen has been the X factor here. I think we all know that. Uh, so tonight, we'll take a look at that. We'll talk to France about what do you see. Look at the dumpster fire in Auburn. Oh, my goodness. Look at all that money that Gus Malzahn got. And look, it's about a million dollars a game. Uh, it's cost him to win a game. I mean, he, he, he right now, except for that buyout, he'd probably be gone at the end of the year. But because they would have to pay him out $49 million, they're stuck with him, okay? And, you know, and, and this is what's happened. I mean, this thing can turn, can go south in a hurry, in a hurry. And as we've seen it happen, other schools, South Carolina is right on the precipice. The bottom could drop out up there, too, for Will Muschamp. On the other hand, we've got the Kentucky story. Uh, LSU's gotten rebirth. Looks like LSU now is challenging to become the second best team in the West. But can they sustain it? And they got a tough schedule. So a lot of things are still on the table. And then there's Alabama. And even Alabama, with Tua getting injured. And you see how vulnerable teams are. A couple of players can get hurt. Things can go wrong. You can get bad calls in the game. And oh my gosh, I was so infuriated at the, at the play and the call and the unsportsmanlike conduct, but you can argue about whether Voshan Joseph, that was 
you know, he used his helmet or what he did, and France thinks it was shoulder to shoulder. But let's say he did, even if. What kind of stupid rule penalizes an individual for team unsportsmanlike conduct? And I guarantee you, not many people, including coaches, knew that rule. That's got to be changed. Can't have that, Vosan. No wonder Vosan Joseph went nuts on the sideline. He got kicked out because some really smart official thought, well, we'll just do a little even up here and get us unsportsmanlike either way. It's like no harm, no foul. Yeah, there was a foul. Yeah, uh, Joseph got kicked out because it became a second one for him. That's a horrible rule. So let's hope that gets fixed. That's just something that could have cost part of the game, by the way, or their best players going down. So that there's that. All right? And then in just a minute, we'll be calling our friend Graham, checking up on that. Uh, I'll, I want to go through here uh, and talk about things like conditioning. How important is that guy? And I noticed Dan Mullen said that the team was getting, uh, it was getting tired. Mentally and physically, the SEC schedule, that's why the SEC is so darn hard to play in. Because it'll exhaust you mentally and physically, especially road games. Going to Tennessee, going to Nashville. By the way, Florida doesn't play outside the state the rest of the way. And I think if you you look at all the Vils, as long as they keep winning in the Vils, think about it. Tallahassee doesn't have a Vil, does it? Uh, They'll be in good shape. Uh, including Gainesville. Uh, so uh, we'll see Jacksonville being the big one. So we will talk about all those things tonight. We'll take yours. Here's a little stat I thought was interesting. Talk about the defense, all right, which we are talking They are really – I talked to Bubba today, and Bubba and I were talking about this, and said this defense has been so good, and it's a go-to defense, which can bail you out. Uh, listen to these set Through six games this year, this through the six games, all right, Let's not count last week. Uh, Gators had 20 sacks, 11 fumble recoveries, 24 pass deflections, six interceptions, one touchdown, and and 17 takeaways. And that's before the win. So this defense has really checked in there. So I'll just go on and put some comments up by you, and uh, we'll do a couple of commercials and go get our friend Graham. Uh, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll make this thing work tonight. Uh, it's going to be a fun couple of weeks here. Plenty to talk about. How do I remember? We call it the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. So um, just good evening to you, Bill. Nice to see you. Um, we'll see who else has got a comment to make before we go to break. Yeah, Kevin says it will always be the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. And I understand why, but look, those were, you know, I heard Pine Bomb show today, and the producers said, told Paul, you can't use that anymore. Why? Well, that's, we're not allowed to. Who, who doesn't allow you to use it? The police? There's no SEC rule. Come on, man. People get browbeat sometimes. Uh, good evening to Jack from up in Atlanta. Philip, Brian, Ramon, and Jacksonville, John and Jacksonville. You know, our third largest city is Jacksonville. We have our our, our Gator Nation Kingdom, which is right at 5,000. Uh, is Gainesville, Ocala, Jacksonville, Orlando, Tampa, St. Pete. And we have them all over the place, including China, Alaska, Mm. Ice cold water tastes awfully good tonight. So, uh, yeah. So we'll say good evening to uh, to Courtney, Alexander, Ken, James, Mike. Mike's Mike's always got a good stat. Florida, one of only four teams to win the three true road games in the nation so far. Mm, interesting point there. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know the answer, John, to this. What's Mullen's record was successfully executed trick plays? I don't know, but it's pretty good, isn't it? And we were talking tonight about whether that was a call play or a center's option. In my opinion, based on what I know for Urban Meyer, which is where he came from out of his playbook, it's a little bit of both. I mean, you can send the playbook, they get a certain look, and they can call it, or I guess there's an option for the punter. I'll have to, I know what, the, what they're selling on TV, but i got to check that out. Uh, yeah, Kevin, resilience is a good word, Fitz's team. Resilience, I've been saying all year long, resilience. I would say, Keith, 21-3 looked bad. I'm going to go through my whole list of things, and moment of truth, and what have you, and big plays, etc. and we'll talk about that. So those are some of the things. Let's take a quick break. Let's hear from Daniel L. Hightower. No one ever plans a car accident. Having a plan after you've been in one, however, can make a world of difference. Daniel L. Hightower has been fighting for accident victim justice in Ocala and statewide since 1976. After meeting with Dan and his team, you'll know your case matters, that you matter, and that Dan will fight hard to get you just results. If you've been severely injured through no fault of your own by a careless or reckless driver, you need Daniel L. Hightower. Nineteen seventy-six. One of my favorite places. I did not go there tonight for my wife's birthday. Happy birthday, Joni! <clears throat> She's twenty-nine again. Uh, this is a place I'll be going this Friday night. Uh, one of my very favorite restaurants all over the country, and that would be Mark's Prime Steakhouse and Seafood. You can look at that and see why. I like it because of the ambiance as well. Of course, I like it because of the food primarily because they have terrific food, um, and there's a certain elegance to it and. And when you get in there, you know that you're going to pay a little bit more, but you're willing to pay it because it's worth it. Sometimes it's just worth a little bit more. And so when you go to Mark's, you check out their fresh seafood and their fresh vegetables, their natural uh, vegetables, their, prime, their, their, their premium wines. <clears throat> you look at, uh, at their menu uh, and, and you look around you and you see a lot of happy people because Mark's has a commitment to have a total dining experience for you, which is uh, something that they work hard on in terms of service, in terms of food, and ambiance, etc. Call them up today in Gainesville. Two locations to serve you. Gainesville, 352-336-0077. And Ocala is 352-402-0097. Complimentary Valley Parking. Go to MarksPrimeSteakhouse.com. I'm coming, Cindy. Save me a table, okay? Friday night, we'll be going out with our friends. So, uh, anyway, if you haven't eaten there, try it. Mark's Prime Steakhouse is the reason they talk about the unique dining experience because that's what you'll get when you go to Mark's there. One more word from our friends at um, Rinstar. Rinstar now put together a list of the Scott Brantley Trophy Award candidates. Uh, they are um, obviously going to be released here soon. The next watch list. Rinstar Medical Research is known for its for its clinical trials and uh, their quality work that they do, the data they gather, uh, and the fact that they uh, they do it uh, under the supervision of the FDA. Uh, they do some terrific work on the cutting edge of clinical technology, uh, looking to help cure things like uh, Alzheimer's, psoriasis, osteoarthritis, migraines, fibromyalgia, along with many other conditions that affect our community since uh, since Red Star's been there since 1998. They've been in a 
over 600, maybe close to 700 research trials, continue to partner with bio, prominent pharmaceutical and biomedical companies. Check them out. If you want to be a part of the trials, you can call them in Ocala at 352-629-5800 or go online and visit them at www.renstar.net. Renstar Medical Research, seeking tomorrow's answers to the health questions of today. All right, let's see what uh, our, uh, our buddy is up to, uh, Graham. I know he was planning to go to uh, at one point to Nashville and had to had to had to call it off at the last minute. Uh, so we'll see what Graham is up to and uh, uh, what his thoughts are on this team. Here they are, halfway halfway point and looking good. Whoever thought, you know, we'd be talking like Florida had a real chance of winning this game against Georgia, not one, and, a, and a very good chance, I might add. So um, and one that I think has got us all kind of excited. Who knew we'd have a, a week off and we'd be talking about. The world's largest outdoor cocktail party in the game in Florida now can see is eminently winnable. Uh, and we're going to take a look at the uh, at the standings in just a moment as we get Graham up here. Good evening, Graham. How are you? Hey, buddy. How you doing? Can you see me? <laughs> Not yet, but you'll get here in a second. I'll, you'll, there you are there. Yes. How are you, my friend? Uh, good to see you again. And um, yeah. let me get you up on the show. There you are. Uh, so, uh, uh, quite an interesting weekend, and, and a ball game that uh, I'm telling you, Gator fans were their guts were churning. Uh, sure. I, I went through my play, not my play by play, I didn't keep a hold of it, but I went through my notebook and I marked down big plays and moments of truth, and you know, and you go back, and yep. it's not till you look at your notes and see with six minutes or something to go in the in the um, third quarter that Florida was losing this game. I mean. They were in the game, but things were not turning at all, and it looked very much like this was that egg that everybody expected they might lay. People said, "Well, there he goes," uh, you know, Felipe Frank showing his true colors. What were your thoughts watching that game? Uh, I think my first uh, thought, and like you said, um, uh, yeah, I couldn't make the trip last minute. Unfortunately, Nashville is a lovely city, but you know, it's good to be back here in the state of Florida for the rest of the year. And before I start, buddy, I just wanted to. Wish happy birthday to your wife, Joni, as oh, well. Oh, thank you. Uh, I, I saw it today. That's awesome. Mm. Um, yeah, you know, my first thoughts were, uh, and I think it's what everyone was kind of thinking, was um, McIlwain and, and Muschamp probably wouldn't, wouldn't have been able to pull them out of the 18-point hole. I mean, you saw that it was uh, the largest comeback on the road, tied the largest comeback on the road in Florida history. Uh, Scott Strickland actually spoke up in the presser after the game and said that he was work, uh, working at Kentucky when Florida pulled that 18-point comeback. They were also down 21-3 to in that game, came back to beat the Wildcats. Um, you know, I was starting to think when it got up to 31 to 21-3 that, you know, oh, man, this is a big loss for them. But from scouting Vanderbilt, like I said, you know, I had come in here and saying that if, if Florida had like a Tennessee-type performance um, where they created multiple, or, you know, gave up the ball multiple times um, and Vanderbilt was able to get some turnovers, that it could be a bad game for sure for Florida, and they did that. The two turnovers in the first half, the bad fumble by Felipe, and then you can debate whether the whether the interception was on him or not. Mullen said he's not going to blame his quarterback. The, the, he said the fumble was terrible, but he's not going to blame his quarterback. You know, it got tipped, whatever you want to say. Vanderbilt responded. You know, 98-yard drive. You know, it had, certainly had the makings of you know the letdown, the trap game, whatever one wanted to call it. But, you know, after the game, you know, maybe they were kind of pressured into answering the question this way. But a lot of the players said that that scuffle there with, with a minute and 47 seconds left in the second quarter, um, that did end up sparking, you know, the Michael P. Ryan's 63-yard reception. 
um, and, and Florida ends up, you know, cutting it to one possession when it was, you know, moments earlier had been an 18-point deficit, um, does speak to how they did rally. They kind of came to life. Um, they were kind of like zombies in, in the beginning, whatever you want to say, going through the motions. Um, needing that bye game, looking ahead to that bye week, thinking what you're going to do, what you're going to eat, how you're going to relax, you're going to get some sleep. You know, you start thinking about that. Um, and that can be very uh, caustic. It can be, it can be very poisonous. And Florida saw that firsthand, and they kind of needed something to wake them up. And I think it was, you know, James Houston, um, you know, sending this guy's soul flying from his body. And, and Boshan Joseph, um, in, in, everyone, in everyone's eyes on the sideline, you know, unfairly being kicked out of the game yeah. for a pretty ludicrous sideline, you know, unsportsmanlike conduct penalty on everyone. I mean, if, if that had happened again in the game, would they just ended the game right then and there? I don't think anyone got an answer. The SEC looked pretty, you know, looked pretty bad, I, I would say, on Saturday for letting that happen in general. And, you know, that kind of boiled over because, you know, I think both sides identify that the officiating was pretty poor. Um, up until that point in the first 28 minutes or so, uh, certainly you know, Florida fans felt that way as well. But I think that any, even a, you know an unbiased perspective could have said that you know Florida was getting penalized more unfairly than Vanderbilt was, and so and so on. And um, that, but that second half, outscoring them the way they did, 34 and six the rest of the game after going down by 18 points, that is what I think that you know the team needs to go back and watch. They can't rest on their laurels this week. They got to rest while focusing on preparing for Georgia, and they can't read too much in to Georgia losing to LSU because then you start thinking, "Oh man, I can beat this team." Instead, they need to approach it as the team that you know opened a 21-0 first quarter lead on them last year. Yeah, that is a good point. I, I don't. I'm not. You know me. I'm not one to get riled up about officiating. <clears throat> I try to have a, a modicum of neutrality at least. You know, so I don't, you know, I don't see everything through orange and blue glasses. I rarely comment on the officiating, but I mean, I, I watched the number of holes in that game. Vanderbilt's offensive line took holding to a new level. I mean, it yeah. was it was blatant, and, I, and I've heard a lot of officials lately. I heard one of an SEC officials talk about it last, two weeks ago. I spoke at a club here, and, and he, this guy does big time games, um, and he said he'll let it go. He said as long as they keep their hands inside. Well, some of it was pretty blatant. You could, well, there was a reason that, that, that Polite and those guys Zaninga, were not getting to the passer. They were being held a lot. Yeah. And they didn't call that. Okay, so you, you chalk that one off and say, okay, that's one. And then and the, the number of calls were lops. I don't know what the number was. I'm going to say it had to be like 8 to 1 at some point in time is my guess. You know, sure. All going again. And that happens sometimes. But it didn't seem like it was very balanced. And even Mullen, who doesn't normally say anything about that, started complaining about getting it even up a little bit. And then it probably wasn't the official's fault, but it was. When you have a rule like that, and you could maybe discuss or argue, both Sean Joseph hit, I get it. The announcers made it sound like he he totally was wiping the guy. The offensive player was still running, by the way, and in that yeah, tackle. Yeah. He was he was pushing. I mean, Joseph did, was unnecessary roughly. But the offensive player had a role in it. So let's just give that one to the refs and say, okay, they call that in sports and light. All right. But you don't agree with it, they call it. Now, to have what happened with the, the Vanderbilt team coming on the field all the way over, as they did, and then have the coaches shouting at each other and having an offsetting uh, unsportsmanlike conduct, that's not offsetting. Not when one team loses yeah. a player. That's the dumbest rule ever, that a guy could get yeah. kicked out for a team foul like that. That's awful. 
And so uh, that that's got to be fixed. So you know, and yeah. Florida could easily have lost that game over it. So at that point in time, it got ridiculous. And so I mean, I got steamed about that. I just don't like the inequity or something like that. But they they dodged the bullet. They, they maybe grew up a little bit, learned a lesson. As you said, they sleepwalked. And the way they were playing, they weren't just fumbling the ball. They were just like, it was discombobulated. Yeah. They couldn't even hold the ball the way they were fumbling. You know, it was awful. <clears throat> so maybe it did galvanize them. I don't know. But whatever it was, they needed something. If that's what it took, then fine. In the end, they won the football game and won it. Uh, as I said, despite our anxieties, they seem to beat Vanderbilt all the time anyway, no matter what. So, <clears throat> But that was a scary day. So now what? Let me take you back to a couple of moments, and I want to get your comments on them, all right? Definitely. Uh, let's, let's go back to <clears> – <throat> let's skip forward to some of the things that – the minor things that we could call the question whenever we talked about about John Joseph. Um Let's see. Uh, well, obviously, the, we talked about the Joseph suspension or whatever. Uh, the McPherson fake punt. Uh, yeah. Textbook Urban Meyer. I've seen it happen yeah. called two or three times. Uh, there's some debate about whether that play was audible by the punter or whether that was really part of the I can't see they put that in the hands of a, of a punter to make that decision, although it's in the playbook. And I suppose they could, but he made a heck of a run there, and that yeah. was such a huge. If you go back and look at the video, which I've done several times, Frank's had just badly overthrown Pirine on third and seven, yep. which didn't look good at all at that point. It couldn't get through, and that play turned the game around. That was a brilliant call, executed brilliantly by McPherson, and one that again chalk it up to Mullen. Great play calling makes a big difference. Yeah, I, th- I think it was uh, it was Tommy Townsend on the fake punt. Um, I'm sorry, I said McPherson. No, you were, you know, yeah, but obviously, obviously no, but, McPherson but kicks. Yeah, McPherson is a kick field goal kicker. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, Tommy I mean, Townsend. It's only it's like McPherson. It's only his his seventh game. You know, even bigger shoes to fill. You know, I, I can't think of you know. Obviously, Florida didn't practice special teams too much, but Johnny Townsend never really you know let it loose like that. Um, Tommy looked very confident on that run, and in you know, you never want to see your your punter, I mean, of all people, any of those guys, but especially your punter or your quarterback, you never want to see them, you know, run right into contact. And Tommy showed no fear picking up those 18 yards. And what happens? Three plays later, Franks hits Van Jefferson, I think, on a 38-yard yeah, touchdown. What a, what a cut. What a cut he made on that play, man. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean, you know, I've been, I've been saying that they, they should be using him more outside just because – on his routes, he gets inside the DB so much better than I think anyone gives him credit for, and that just shows how much farther along he's, you know, at in some of these guys because he's had a legit wide receivers coach. Um, all of discredit to Kerry Dixon in a sense, but Van Jefferson is a guy who can easily make guys miss. He has ideal size and speed for his position. Once you get him open, I mean, he he can do that. And and but sometimes when you have a quarterback like Franks. You only get three shots every drive if it doesn't work out. And and I think they just needed a little bit of juice to show that, hey, you know, we, we can outsmart these guys. Mm-hmm. You know, running a, a fake play, uh, you know, a trick play on Vanderbilt, who is considered to be, you know, you know maybe Smart not the athletic, team, right? most athletic team, but if they're going to beat you, they're going to beat you mm-hmm. through their game planning, their intelligence, their sniffing out of the football, having smart guys mm-hmm. like that. Beating them on that fake play, uh, or you know, running that trick play against them, running that effectively, making it, it you know, it's so they can't even pick that up. 
that's that's even that's major credit to Dan Mullen. I think someone was saying earlier that they hadn't seen a Dan Mullen trick play fail this year. I, I think that's right. I think that one was an incomplete pass, but there's never been one that's been blown up or for a loss of yards. Or fourth down, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, we live to do another play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right, and, and I like how Townsend scrap was scrapping at the end, but you know, still fighting and then got going a little tater tape with one of the Vanderbilt players. They sure. showed a little fight there. It was good. Uh, so that was it was huge, obviously. I would say that the kicking game is in good hands with Townsend and McPherson. That looks awfully good. Those yep. guys, again, came through. Uh, and then, of course, you mentioned the touchdown pass. Uh, here's the thing I wrote my notes. With about, uh, well, late in the third, uh, I, I, they, they handed the ball off twice to Scarlett. And I said it because he'd gotten ding earlier in the first half. And he didn't look very good. Yeah. He, he wasn't hitting the hole very, very well. And I wrote in my notes, Scarlett has got to start hitting the hole quicker. Next play, boom. <laughs> He's off running. Uh, and he goes 48 yards. And I wrote down the numbers of the guys who made the blocks. And I went back to lock and watched it several times. That play was so well blocked. And the offensive line, they had, they, they, they just took a bead and they blocked it perfectly. And I, and I want to be sure to mention those guys because I think that was a beautifully executed running play. And Florida's running game, let's be honest about it, that's been the strength of this team on offense, sure. certainly. Uh, and so I looked at the numbers, and I wrote them all down here. Uh, let's see, make sure I get them all. Uh, uh, Tyler Jordan, Joan Taylor, Nick Buchanan, and even Fred Johnson. How about that? All got key blocks, and he took off and ran, and he's got pretty good speed. Once his initial burst isn't all that fast, but in the open field, he turns on the juice. He can go pretty good. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, echoing that sentiment. I think Dewan Taylor had probably the best game on the offensive line, in my opinion, from what I saw. Um, I went back and rewatched some of those runs, and usually he is, you know, you, you know, you can pull as an offensive lineman. If you can pull, you're, you're going to go very far. But his ability to disrupt what the guy next to mm-hmm. the guy who his assignment is doing is is going to get him a fat NFL paycheck. I mean, he's helping Fred Johnson out by pushing the defensive end mm-hmm. into the tackle. And if you go back and watch those, the times they spring out, it's because Taylor and, and Johnson are double teaming um, the opposing rush. And that's yeah, you, know, you look at that, and that is you know that's huge for Florida. And and your point about Jordan Scarlett, I think I've said it before. You know, I, I don't know what exactly. 100% is what it is. You know, people have said the rust. He missed, you know, all of last season. He's, he's getting used to a new coach again, blah, blah, blah. All the excuses because, you know, they don't seem to be affecting Michael P. Ryan. But the big right. thing that I keep coming back to is when you, you know, when you're a guy like, you know, Jordan Scarlett, who's a very big runner, hard to tackle, but doesn't have the initial burst, like you said, that is going to get him, you know, downfield mm. quickly like Damian Pierce has. And when, even P. Ryan, P. Ryan's got a pretty good quick first step too. Yeah, oh, de- definitely. I think I would. I would say that of all of all three of the backs, I would say that Jordan Scarlett actually is um, third. Uh, it's obvious he's the most timid to hit the hole, but mm-hmm. it's because often that hole changes by the time he gets. Yes. To it. So his run style is to kind of um, you know mm-hmm. you know people call it dancing, but it is kind of he's buying time while picking up momentum. As a bigger hole gets created or he realizes he's going to have to cut outside, he's already moving in place. And when you are running you know, a power run scheme the way that Florida's doing it, where that hole is supposed to develop immediately, you know, a guy like Jordan Scarlett, who in his first two years was doing it completely differently, 
maybe he's having a little bit harder time adjusting mm -hmm. than we thought, and he has had a tougher time in practice than those other backs. But his sheer like physical talent combined with his you know breakaway speed, eventually, it, you know, it's hard to keep him off the field because you mm -hmm. saw what can happen. But you know, getting through the holes, finding the holes initially, right? That you know, he's not that mm -hmm. breakaway back for Florida. But he can, you know, get you those third down, you know, situations. I could easily see him being uh, a third down back in the NFL. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, that initial burst of speed, he's he's still missing that for sure. Uh, and of course, uh, the Freddie Spring touchdown extra. Freddie, oh, yeah, yeah. Freddie's having such a good good year. He he's Mister Reliable. You know, he really is. He's uh, uh, he, yeah. He's done a great job on the returns, and he's a go-to, and so many, so many receivers. I found thoughts from from the Ministry of Information tonight as we uh, prepare. Uh, looking at Georgia, what do you see there? We saw the offensive line that's vulnerable to uh, to obviously to LSU. Uh, we saw that uh, that that Jake Fromm is not ready for prime time. You can't put the ball in his hands and the game on his shoulders because he can't carry it. Uh, we saw that, that DeAndre Swift is not, you know, is not the second coming of Herschel, uh, you know. Um, and uh, while George is very talented personnel-wise, uh, by the same token, uh, you, you've, uh, you know, you 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 got a team that isn't all that gelled, you know. And and there's a there's a chink in that in armor. So uh, I think what we're looking at, I don't even know what the line will be. I think we're looking at a, a more than a puncher's chance for the Gators, and who would have thought, Graham, we'd be talking about them being six and one now with a chance to go to the top of the SEC East. I guess they'd be ahead of Kentucky, wouldn't they? Yeah, they would be, uh, and, and giving Georgia another. Uh, uh, what, what's your thoughts about that? And, and, and is this real, or is this are we imagining this? Sure. Yeah, you, you brought up a lot of good points. A lot to have to cover. First one on Freddie Swain. You know, all the talk is, you know, it's kind of like the grass is always greener mentality. People were lusting over, you know, Trey Grimes and, and Van Jefferson. Um, well, you know, it turns out that those guys, you know, Freddie Swain and Tyree Cleveland and, and Josh Hammond, you know, maybe they just needed some really good coaching because I would say that they have been Florida's three best wide receivers with Van, you know, probably in the mix there. Then Trey right outside as well, Kadarius Toney. Um, you know, Florida, you know, had the, some very good guys in their roster. And, you know, they just needed to get a quarterback who could get them the ball. And Felipe's mm -hmm. done that. Um, and then, you know, Georgia, you look ahead at them, you know, this bye week has always been right before, you know, anytime you're a team like Georgia and you're coming off a loss, you never want it to be right before your bye week because you're, you know, that's even longer that you're itching to get back on the field. You want to prove people wrong. Everyone's writing about, how, oh, maybe Georgia isn't, you know, everything you just said. Maybe they don't have a legit quarterback. Maybe they don't have, you know, though, you know, even though they signed a top three class for the last three years, maybe those guys aren't going to replace the 35 seniors, blah, blah, blah. Jim Chaney's out, blah, blah, blah. All those things. You know, they're reading those things, and that's, you know, bullets and board material for them. They're getting this underdog mentality now that, that fueled Florida for the last 10 months, and that can be kind of a scary situation to go into. Um, if you're Florida, you, you can't rest on your laurels. You can rest, you know, but you can't, you know, think that you're going to be playing a, a Georgia team that got exposed in any sense. Like I was saying, you have to keep thinking that they're the team that, you know, went up 21 points on you in the first quarter at Everbank Field last year. You can't be going in thinking that you're going to stop their run game. Now, evaluating Georgia, yes, they have a quarterback controversy. Kirby made some very interesting comments after that LSU loss, saying that he believes Justin Fields could, write the, could run the whole offense, which is a pretty good indictment. 
he hadn't said that yet. Mm-hmm. That's an indictment of where he sees Jake Fromm, I guess, because while he said that Jake Fromm is their quarterback, he has pushed to say that Jake Fromm needs to improve in other areas. So it's more than possible that they go out there and start a freshman quarterback, which is very, very tough of a situation to be in, but it's very possible that they're in that situation. Um, you know, remember Jake Fromm did beat up Florida last year, and now it could be a different quarterback in there for them as well. Um, I think that, you know, Florida needs to prepare extremely hard for this team. Think of them as the team that's number two in the country, not number eight or whatever they are. Uh, and like you said, who would have thought Florida would be here? You know, I, I didn't think they'd go nine and three, but I didn't think they'd be six and one at this point. I didn't think that they'd beat all those teams on their schedule. I thought they would lose to LSU most likely. I thought they would lose to Mississippi State. You know, it was very possible that this team is sitting here four and three if things don't go their way, if they don't rally at Vanderbilt last weekend, if they aren't, you know, if they don't believe that they can win those games. So, you know, I think that Florida needs to not get too cocky. They need to embrace what they've done so far and they need to get some good rest this week. But this week and next week, you have to prepare for the opportunity in front of you. Kentucky and Georgia still have to play. So if Florida beats Georgia, they still would need Georgia to then beat Kentucky and or, or Kentucky to slip up elsewhere in the SEC for Florida to win the SEC East. So it, it, there are some timelines here to watch as well. But, you know, what Dan Mullen's been saying all along, next game up, and that's Georgia. But right now they got to focus on some rest because those first seven weeks pretty much verified what they did for the last eight months, and that's been work, work, work. And now it's time to do a little resting. Speaking of which, <clears throat> Nick Savage is – Conditioning program, we made much of that, obviously, <clears throat> and it's certainly very important. I was a little surprised to hear Mullen say at the post game, "I guess they're tired mentally, mentally and physically." I hadn't thought about it, but I, it's the perfect time to have a rest, as you say, get your nutrition, get your rest, get ready for Georgia. It came at the perfect time. Do you have any idea what the schedule is this week? Some people asking what's ahead for the team, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, we'll be talking to Felipe Franks um, and a few other players tomorrow, R.J. Raymond, um, Elijah Conliffe. We'll be talking to them tomorrow around 645 after practice. They are practicing this week. It is, it's business as usual, a little bit lighter in a sense. Um, you know, they are emphasizing resting. Uh, so th- tomorrow they are practicing. I don't know if they practice today, actually. We, we won't find that out until tomorrow, but I believe they did. If not, they definitely had team meetings. So, um, But tomorrow, definitely they're practicing. Uh, you know, this this is a it's it's a week that you know historically you know in the, in the NCAA there are no off weeks. You know, it's a bye week, but you're just not playing anyone. You have to still keep preparing, otherwise, you know. Com- yeah, uh, here's a good point. Just we'll let you go, Len. Tent, yeah, I'm here. You there? Um, yeah. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, I thought I lost you. Uh, Len Tento, one of our more. Um, Intelligent football fans brings this interesting stat up. Uh, sure. Jake Fromm has three more passing yards than Franks, three less touchdown passes, and been sacked four more times uh, versus teams with losing records. Pretty good stat there. Pretty good job of coaching there with uh, with a guy there everybody thought yep. wouldn't make it through the first couple of games. Graham, it's great talking yeah. to you. I hope we'll catch up to you later again in a week. If you're around, unless you're going yep. to the beach or something, which you might be doing. <laughs> no, no, no rest. No beaches here. this week? No. You know, I'll be doing some stuff. I talked to Danny Warfel over the weekend. That story will be on Gator Sports about yeah. his Desire Cup. Yeah. It's the golf tournament that benefits the Ninth Ward in New Orleans, his Desire Street Ministries. Uh, Spurrier's going to be there. They're, they're hoping to match the $300,000. So I talked to him about that. And then my column for Gator Rape Magazine coming up. 
um, is all about, you know, Florida, what we just talked about, Florida resting, but, you know, still preparing and, and trying to do that. So um, I appreciate you coming on, buddy. Hopefully catch up with you in the rest of the week. And, For sure. Know, and, and, and one of our people, Steve. Going to a bye week. Yes. Talking about that's that would have been terrible. Yes, that would go, you're right. Going to a bye week, talking about a loss would have been a long two weeks. Steve Flapp, one of our guys, said thank you to tell you thank you for sending you a message and the prayers that you sent for his son. He said he really appreciates it very oh, much. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Please, yeah. Thank uh, yeah. You're doing well. Graham, Thanks you're too. a good man. Appreciate it, buddy. All right. Thanks. Talk to you later. Take care. All right. See you later. Graham, See you, buddy. Take care, GNK. Thank you. It's a good young man right there. So, All right. So let's get a little business out of the way, and we'll go talk to the Iron Duke. Let's talk about uh, CD Farms. i got to get back with uh, Tracy and Chris and update these photos. These are some old photos that we had of the Gator Walk uh, deal. You can see Tracy and I and Chris having a good time there. Uh, we had a little gathering uh, not too long ago. Uh, well, last weekend, uh, we were at a gathering uh, for the LSU game. It's nice to see Tracy and Chris. They, of course, have CD Farms. We haven't talked too much about it lately because they're getting ready to uh, to do their um, their fall um Veggies, and they also uh, still have this opportunity for you if you want to know about how to. You want your own homegrown pork or beef this holiday season? You can get <clears throat> City Farms to raise your hog <clears throat> or your cow or, or your or your steer if you'd like. Uh, on a, on come down and see them, and uh, and they feed on they pasture fed. They're right there, produce healthy, happy animals, uh, and they uh, they raise the old fashioned way. So. You need to know more about this. Uh, you can get a whole hog for for two fifty and a half a hog for one hundred and fifty dollars. It's really, really uh, a more expensive way to get quality meat, all pasture fed. Uh, so check out, go to cdfarms.cdfarmsflorida.com uh, and check out what their opportunities are. And they also have some deals this fall which you want to get involved in. There's some terrific veggie baskets they put out, some great greens uh, for you, freshly. Uh, Pick out of the ground right there in Archer. So check it out, CD Farms Florida. Tracy and Chris, who are my original members, good people, want to be sure and check it out with them. One more note, let's talk about CD, uh, Center State Bank, my local bank. Um, just there the other day, uh, just checking in with my folks. Uh, it's I like it because it's not just a bank. It's certainly that, uh, and they have a lot of good core values, like being locally market-driven and they have world-class service. They have relationship banking they believe in, faith and family. Uh, they're, by the way, the uh, they have 82 locations in 30 Florida counties, plus some in South Georgia, uh, including Ocala, Gainesville, by the way. Uh, and they're a place you can go for banking. You also can go there, and you can rent this beautiful place. You don't even rent it, actually. You, get, you can use it as long as you pay for the cleaning of the second floor for special events like weddings, etc. Our quarterback club meeting is held there preseason. We had Megan Mullen there. Uh, in their community people. That's why they say Center State Bank, centered on community and customer service. Go on online at centerstatebank.com. Find out one nearest you. This is my bank located at Silver Springs Boulevard. Ocala called me 352-368-6800. Center State Bank, centered on community and customer service. Okay, it's time for the Iron Duke. <clears throat> and uh, we're going to go over the schedule and actually go over the uh, <clears throat> some water here. We're going to go over the uh, SEC standings and take a look at what's happened there to this league. What do we think was going to happen and what has happened? What's transpired? Well, 
We know Alabama is still Alabama, that's for sure, <clears throat> among other things. We already know the Florida story certainly well enough. And we'll talk about some of the other teams. There are some things that have gone south, uh, certainly at Auburn, Alabama. Oh, my goodness. Some friends of mine were there over the weekend, and Auburn graduates. It must have been miserable because it's not a good time to be an Auburn Tiger, although it's a really good time to be a Florida Gator as the world's largest outdoor cocktail party is about to be played in two weeks. And this guy will love it if he sees those Georgia Bull. What do you call it, poodles? Go down to the feet. Nobody will be happier than Francis Beard, the Iron Duke. Hello, Francis. Yeah, good good evening. I would pull for Al-Qaeda against Georgia. <laughs> Are they playing football, Al-Qaeda? <clears throat> they did. They beat my team over Georgia. <laughs> oh, boy, you're a bitter man. I know you hate that Georgia, Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, can I get you to turn your volume up just a hair, <clears throat> if you would, <clears throat> and uh, get in here and talk to us about what you saw over the weekend? We had a, a good show Friday, France and I did. We did a little pop-up show. Uh, and we uh, spent about a half hour with folks and got a lot of comments and uh, and France had some good things to offer up. Well, tell me the final outcome of this thing now that you had a chance to think about it. I went back and did cir- circle through some of my big plays and thoughts and players. And one thing that strikes me is that players continually continue to, to pop up and make big plays, a la Tommy Townsend. <clears throat> you know, on defense, you, you have somebody step up and make a big interception. Uh, it's a big play somewhere. And these guys have a big play mentality. They're always in it because they have this big play mentality, and their defense has been really the most unexpected, surprising asset this team has, has had. No one knew this defense would be as good. Give me your feelings about all that right now, and then we'll start talking about this conference and where it is now and where it might be going. Well, one thing that I think that is is critical here is this is a team that, even though they were down 18 points, uh, they didn't give up on themselves. And, you know, this last year, last year they would have tucked their, they, they would have put their heads between their legs and kissed their butts goodbye hmm. uh, to be down 18. But uh, whether it's Mullen, they have so much confidence in Mullen, or just that Mullen is inspiring that much confidence, that they have that much confidence in themselves because of Mullen. There is a confidence factor there. There's a chemistry factor there that's between the coach and his players. And it, it's amazing what's going on there. Um, confident teams make big plays. To allude, go back to what you were talking about. Confident teams make big plays. Teams that lack the biggest difference between a team that makes big plays and a team that doesn't, uh, more often than not, is confidence. Because, you know, if you're in the SEC, you're a pretty darn good football player. And whether you're at Vanderbilt or Arkansas or Florida or Alabama, maybe you're not the same level as those guys say at Alabama, but you're a really good football player if you're on scholarship in the Southeastern Conference. No question about it. So if you're a good football player, what what is going to make the difference? Why are you going to be able to step up and make plays when other guys don't? Well, a lot that's confidence. Confidence means you take means you you've jumped the route. Confidence means you make the extra move and you get out there out there and get behind the cornerback. 
Confidence means you beat the left tackle with a swim move. And you put your right around the fake punt. And you do those kind of things. Too. Well, exactly. You know, and, and you know what I thought about when I saw Tommy Townsend run? Yeah, you thought about the Arkansas game, didn't you? I was thinking about Arkansas in, in, in 2006 mm-hmm. when... Pure Urban Meyer. They ran the, the, the little flip play when... Uh, you know, Jamel Cronemanelius comes around, and, mm-hmm. and Eric Wilber flips it to him, and, the, and they go for 17 yards and a first down. Mm-hmm. And whereas they didn't score on that drive, right. they, it set up the They punt. flipped the field, though. <clears throat> it flipped the field. They, they, they punted the ball. The Arkansas receiver lost it in the lights. The ball hits him, and Wendy Pierre-Lewis uh, recovered in the end zone. Yeah, good memory. Yeah. Totally changed the ball game. That's a confident team, though. Confident teams make big plays. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing that in this Florida team. And it is a it is a, a testament to what Dan Mullen is bringing to this table and what his staff is bringing to this table. I kept looking at the sidelines when they're down 21 to 18, and I'm, I'm seeing Billy Gonzalez and, and Hevesy over there. Not a not even a you know a, a, an instant did I see panic on their faces. You know, there's a difference between concern and panic. They're in there getting in guys' faces. Okay, you got to do this. You got to do this. Whatever, like this. But it's a difference between panicking. There, there was no panic. These guys were ready. These guys were able, and they got the job done. My goodness, what did they ever? Uh, from the moment, you know. Interesting stat. In their first uh, couple of drives, two out of their first three drives, Vanderbilt had Vanderbilt had 173 yards. They only got 322 for the whole game. Hmm. You know, and, and you know, 175 of those were on the first two drives. Hmm. My goodness, that that's. That's a defense that all of a sudden, you know, owned, you know, they took ownership of what they were doing out there and they changed the ball game. Now, people can say, well, it's because their guy got hurt, whatever like that. I don't think it would have mattered. I think if that guy, you know, I think if, if Keshawn Vaughn had stayed in the ball game, I think the same thing would have happened because I think Florida, I think it was, I think he's talented and certainly he showed it. But I think a lot of his his exploits there in those first couple of drives had to do with Florida. Just they were they were on another planet. They were on Mars, you know. And, and once that, once Florida got on the right on the right mindset and on the right planet, it was all over. By the way, let me let me make a, a public shout out before we go any further. This is Miss Joni's birthday. Yeah. By golly, if, you know, <laughs> since we we're talking about kicking, kicking and coverage and everything. Yeah. Miss Joni is, is absolute positive proof that Buddy Martin, back in the 1960s, I guess it was, mm-hmm. completely outkicked his coverage. Had a good eye. Had a, had a good eye. Had a good eye, man. That's the thing. Had a good eye at the plate and for ladies, you know. <laughs> Congratulations yeah. to to Miss Joni yeah, and, and, and to you, buddy, for 
you yeah, know, well, I had nothing had to do a, with that. You but, know, uh, you've had a you've had a great partner in life for all. I have, years. and she loves those birthdays, and we love having her celebrate those. But thank you, friends. I appreciate that. You brought up an interesting point, and I want to fall short of gushing here on the football team. <clears throat> you mentioned the confidence, the quiet confidence. It borderline borders on character. You know that quiet confidence borders on the kind of character of the of the players. And the belief and conviction in the team and each other. Mullen tells tells them about pulling the rope, you know, <clears throat> and holding on to that rope, etc. He's taught them a really great lesson in a very short period of time, and I'm amazed at his ability to teach. He is one hell of a teacher and a good coach and a smart play caller. Now look, they can go out and get their brains beat out by Georgia. It can happen. They aren't that good. We know they can't do it on just skill. They got to have something else going on. But they have done a really great job of getting this team ready. Here we are, as you pointed out Saturday, bowl eligible. You know, we're talking maybe they might get seven wins the whole year. Well, they got six in the first seven games. These guys seem to like playing together. They seem to like each other, unlike places like at Auburn. I had a guy tell me today about Auburn that a friend of his as a coach went down to Auburn two weeks ago. This guy's a former head coach. And he went in down to Auburn and came back and told my friend, Auburn might not win another game the rest of the year. That's before last Saturday. And so you look at how thing, badly things can go for you on coaching choices. We see what's happened in other places, other, other decisions, certainly UCLA and Nebraska. I think they'll get it right out there. I, I think they make good hires than those two guys. But certainly there's no slam dunk. So A- Feel blessed and lucky to get the guy you got and be. Enjoy this, man. This is great stuff. And as we were talking earlier, wouldn't it have been really sucking to sit here after a loss, going into an open date, thinking about this game? This is such a good time. As we said, put your pedal to the metal. Uh, never worry about uh, pumping the brakes. It's time to enjoy being a Gator fan. And we're getting ready for the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Which should be a really should be a really great weekend. Well, the weekend should be great, and so should the ball game. And I think Florida is going to win it. Um, I, I think Georgia has been exposed. Uh, I'm, you know, I watched that. I watched that Georgia team Saturday, and they got both raised. They got absolutely pummeled. Mm-hmm. LSU stepped up. LSU stepped up to both lines of scrimmage, and. Georgia, Georgia. It was like the men came to play, and the boys had no answers. Mm-hmm. The men being LSU and Georgia, Georgia looked like a bunch of boys out there against against yeah. that LSU team. Yeah, they did. Great, yeah. great sign, by the way. It said G E A U X go, Coach O O E A U X, and Joe J E A U X Burrow B U R R E A U X. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I like the one that he posted when he took out his picture made next to Coach Dan Mullen is good at sports. <laughs> that picture of somebody, a kid wrote a sign. He had his picture made. So, uh, yeah, so that was fun. So, so Francis, let's go over this SEC a second. All right, I'm looking at the standings here today, and I was looking at it thinking about what can I learn from this looking at it. And, you know, we're going down. You have to stop and think. You know, we know what's happening in the East, obviously. And with Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, South Carolina is three and three could go either way. 
you know, um, and they're two and three in the conference. Tennessee uh, got that huge win. Uh, their season would have been a dumpster fire without that. I was surprised at Missouri. I thought they'd be better. They're zero and three and three and three overall. So they're not. They're not. Drew Luck has not been the player we thought he would be. And we know about Vandy, who's three now three and four. Any comments on any of those teams? Well, Missouri is paying the price for hiring Garrett Dooley. You know, the, the first couple of ball games, everybody's saying, "Boy, look at this offense. We don't miss. We don't miss Josh Heupel at all." Derek Dooley's the answer. Well, yeah, they do miss Josh Heupel. Derek Dooley in those first couple of ball games, in a way, you know, you and I could have coached that offense against against those those weenies they played in those first two or three ball yeah. games. Now they're up against SEC defenses, and all of a sudden, Drew Locke is looking very average. And that has to do with the play calling. The play calling is horrendous. Yeah. Uh, you know, talk about one and dones. Derek Dooley is a one and done as an offensive coordinator. I guarantee you. Which is our late friend Jack Harston used to say, it comes as no surprise to this reporter. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, Tennessee, I, I know everybody, you know, the Tennessee folks are saying, look at us, we're great again. You know, look what we did to Auburn. My gosh, buddy, you know, the way Auburn was, the way Auburn's offensive line plays right now, you know, you and I could, you and I could sack the quarterback and, and we've lost a step or two in our, in our mm-hmm. years. You know, uh, Auburn is, Auburn is really, really hurting badly. The, I, you know, they've got, you know, they've got Ole Miss this weekend and, you know, fortunately for Auburn, it's the one defense that Auburn can score against because Ole Miss's defense is absolutely horrendous. You know, um, my gosh! But I will say this: if, if Auburn doesn't show up, play some play some defense, uh, boy, I don't know if you saw the end of that uh, Ole Miss Arkansas game Saturday night. I saw a little bit of it. Yeah, that was a, Arkansas really. Uh... Uh, really, an unfortunate loss to them. Yeah. Well, it, it's you know they're you know you talk about a team that may not win another ball game. They got Tulsa coming into town, and if they don't beat Tulsa, they're not winning another ball game. Now the rest of their games are mm-hmm. SEC games, and if they don't beat Tulsa Saturday, Saturday, it's going to be a one in eleven season mm-hmm. at Arkansas, which is not really really good for them. No, uh, Vanderbilt, you know. I, I, you know, Vanderbilt is an enigma. They can they can do things like look really really good, like they did in those first twenty five minutes Saturday. But I, I, you know, Florida had so much to do with that. Florida just didn't come to play. Florida, Florida made so many mistakes. It, it's like you, you you look at that interception, that first interception. That, ha- that doesn't happen. It's, everybody's talking about what a great play call it is for a touchdown if if the right tackle, Jawan Taylor, bothers to get his hands into the chest of, of, the, of the guy that he's, uh, that he's blocking. He didn't do that, and the guy gets, a fr- gets, gets his hands up, knocks the pass down. If the offensive tackle does his job, gets his hands in the chest, that's a touchdown. Good pass. point. Yeah, Everybody that's true. Talk about what a great what a great call it is instead of right. instead of an interception. There. Right, I agree. Uh, okay, yeah, all right. 
uh, let me get your thoughts on the West. This is throughout Alabama. We know that she's second best. Then you got a variety, a cacophony of teams. <laughs> you know, you, you think you think that the Mississippi State might be the next best team, but you know, Ole Miss has got a five and two record, believe it or not. Only one and two in the conference, same Mississippi State. Then you got Auburn, who's been just a dumpster fire, and then Arkansas, who can't get out of its own way. So there's not a whole lot there after those first three teams. I mean, uh, I would say Mississippi State's going to beat uh, Ole Miss in the Egg Bowl, in my opinion. Um, if, they, if, they, if, if Mississippi State can, uh, can play a lick of defense and they don't get boat raced by that Ole Miss offense, which is awfully good, and Auburn's laying down. So it uh, looks to me like the best of that crop is Texas A&M after LSU. What do you think? I think Texas A&M is the kind of team that nobody wants to play in November. Jimbo is... Jimbo has done a really, really great job with them. Um, he's he's got them playing to their strengths. Um, I, 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 he, he's turned Kellen Mond into into a, yeah, a an player. SEC quarterback. You know, we've always talked about how Jimbo really is a is a quarterback. Yeah, he is. Yeah. And he he is showing it with them. But the best thing that's going on with them is you look at what their defense is doing. Their defense is really, really playing well. They're only giving up 81 yards a game on the ground. And they're making people one-dimensional. And that's why they're winning ball games. Mm-hmm. Um, they're a team I, I – I, if if I'm in the SEC West and i got to play them in November, I don't like it. Because, especially if you got to play them at Kyle Field because – I don't know if you've ever been to Kyle Field or not, but you get a bunch of drunk Aggies, and they can be they can be mm. loud and obnoxious as it gets. Mm. You know, um, Jimbo's got it going there. That, you know, that's going to be that's going to be a, a program that is capable of challenging Alabama in a couple. Maybe not this year, but certainly not this year, and maybe not next year. But you know, in a couple of years, Jimbo will have that have that going really well. LSU, I, I got to tell you what, just when everybody starts doubting Ed Orgeron, and they did after the Florida loss, everybody's saying, oh, my gosh, Coach Joe, Coach, oh, Coach Joe, you know, get your bags packed. It's, it's going to be a short time in Baton Rouge. Just when they do that, Coach Joe comes up with, and his staff come up with an absolutely brilliant game plan. Mm-hmm. They expose Georgia. I mean, expose. Exposed them. Georgia, Georgia, like I said, looked like a bunch of kids out there playing the men, and the men just absolutely dominate. That you know, what's strange is it was thirty-six to sixteen, which is a bad score. The score should have been fifty-two to the score. The score should have been fifty-two to fourteen. That's what the score should have been. You know, the only reason that they didn't was because Coach O got really conservative inside the red zone and they got field you know they had kicked four I think they kicked four or five field goals in in, in there um, because they got conservative they got off track on what they were doing they should have they should have won that game by another two or three touchdowns mm-hmm. easily yeah well we got a lot of angles to play here coming up in the next couple of weeks uh, you know not the least of which is Todd Grantham and the grudge match against Georgia, uh, you know, a lot of things there to, to, to show in. And, and then, you know, this, this LSU-Alabama game, the, the question is, you know, is there do we see some flaws in Alabama we didn't see before? Yeah, we do. 
Uh, we don't even know how good their defense is yet. They've had problems. Well, I'll tell you what, their, def- their defense came to play Saturday. They did, but they've had problems all year uh, with but, that defense. Well, you know, I, I, look, buddy, Ella, here's the thing about Alabama. You know, Nick's got Nick needs something to gripe about. Yeah, he does. He does. But I'm just looking for any look. We thought Tua was un, was invincible too. Tua's hurt, and now it's not serious. He'll probably be fine. But I'm just saying things can happen, even to the degree Alabama's. You know, in football, things can happen. Now, do I think Alabama's going to win out? Yeah, I do. But I'm just saying there's always that possibility that something can go wrong, as we know in college football. Well, there's always possibilities. The Red Sea parted 4,000 years ago. Water got changed to wine 2,000 years ago. Anything is possible. Are you predicting that? There will be water turned to wine again in the Florida Georgia game? Water may turn to wine again before somebody beats Alabama this year. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and i got to tell you what. That defense, people forget they lost nine starters off their defense. They just reload in France. They just they, reload. And, and they come back here with all these young guys, mm-hmm. and these young guys are starting to figure it out. Alabama has run four interceptions back for touchdowns yeah. this year. They're, you know, you look at what at, you look at what Tua's doing. You know. Average, he's averaging 14 yards per pass attempt. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, he's averaging pretty. I much know, almost 20 yards. It's ridiculous stats. Yeah, yeah, he didn't play, didn't play the entire game. I know all that. Well, let's enjoy this one for a few days, leading up to the uh, to the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. We're going to talk have football Friday. We pick all the other games on Friday. Talk about what we got going on there. And uh, you got basketball coming up soon, right? Oh, heavens, yeah. And, and trust me when I tell you something. The Gators are going to be really, really good. Everybody's picking them sixth, which is a very conservative place to pick them. All the preseason magazines have the Gators sixth in the SEC. I got to tell you what, they're better than that. They're going to be right there with with Tennessee, Auburn, Kentucky at the top. They, the SEC, the SEC. I would not be surprised to see nine or ten SEC teams in the NCAA tournament wow. this year. Keep would us posted. Try- Let us know what's going on. What's the first big day? First big game. We'll start talking a little hoop here in a couple of weeks. Right now, we're gonna live this one up, baby. It's uh, you know, it's 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 time to, to to rollick a little bit here for the next ten, twelve days and get ready for the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, Francis. Well, I'll tell you what, it, 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 I, I'm looking forward to going to Jacksonville, where, by the way, the Gators have won three of the last four meetings. Interesting. And if you add it all up since uh, 1990, uh, Florida has won a whole lot of football games hmm. against against the Georgia Poodles. And I got a feeling, you know, it's still early, a lot of stuff could happen, whatever like that, but I got a feeling that that it's going to seem like old times, you know, at Swamp 2 over in Jacksonville uh-huh. this year. All right, Francis. Good job, buddy. There. I, I, I'm looking for I'm looking for Ja'Kai Polite to look like Alex Brown. You know how Alex Brown always played against Georgia? He just showed, he showed up against mm-hmm. Georgia. I mean, I, I'll never get him eating Quincy Carter alive. There at there over in Jacksonville in '98. And, and, Great player. Oh yeah, but I, I think good things are going to happen. I, I'm excited. 
And yeah. you know, th this is, I think you pointed it out earlier today, I was looking at some of the stuff on, on the page there, that we need to enjoy this. This is a season that Gators need to thoroughly embrace yeah. and enjoy. I think, I'll give you an idea of something. Steve Spurrier was 45 years old when he coached his first game at the University yeah, of Florida. He had 21 college wins under his belt. Dan Mullen was 46 when he coached his first game at the University of Florida. He already had 69 wins under his belt. Mm. I think I think Dan Mullen's going to be here a long, long time. I, you know, you look at what's going on and you understand why the moment Scott Strickland called, it's like Megan, you know, he comes in, he comes in after taking the call from Scott Strickland and you, you were there at, at the quarterback club meeting mm -hmm. when Megan spoke and she looks at him and she says, we are taking the Florida job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Dan said, I, honey, I, I've already taken I just did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You understand why, you understand yeah. and why there was that kind of enthusiasm for it. We just love us and Megan, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. Francis, good this job, buddy. You, have, to be. you, have, you take care. I'll talk to you later in the week. All right. Appreciate it. Yes, it the is. The Iron Duke is in a rare form. He always is Georgia Week. Thank you, buddy. All right. I want to take, hey, if you haven't got your shirt, man, look up here on the wall. You'll see some of them over here. There. That's a woman's right there, that gray one. But the beautiful ones are the ones that, uh, the new ones. And we've got some of those. We want to show you if I can take them up. Uh, that we're, the ones that were made especially for the last couple of weeks. And the orders are coming in. I'm waiting for my orange one. Talked to Tony yesterday. He said they're being shipped. Also, some of those uh, shirts uh, include our elite shirts, golf shirts, which I'm looking forward to. Uh, and uh, let's do this right now. Come back and take a, take a look at those. These shirts are, are terrific, and uh, I can't wait to get mine. I, I had my, matter of fact, I had my, um, went to church on Sunday, and my pastor said, uh, this is uh, Colors Day, you know, and I didn't have my new uh, orange shirt to wear, so I wore my blue number one jersey, and he said, I thought you were wearing a new Circle 15 shirt. I said, well, one I have was dirty, and I said, I didn't get a chance to get my orange one yet, but I uh, I will. And uh, these are things that we can have a good time with later on. Uh, let's see if I can get this in here. Uh, I've got a picture of all these other shirts. Anyway, we need to get these. This is going to be a special event. What a weekend to remember uh, with, uh, you know, there's a shot of one right there. Part of it. Uh, what a member of the LSU victory. You know, it's like a commemorative shirt now. The Ring of Honor and... Uh, that's the that's the blue one. Uh, there's a beautiful orange one, which is coming up. Um, 
soon we'll have that. We'll have, be worrying that around. If you're interested in any of this stuff, uh, please go to uh, allfarsportswear.com and check them out. Tony made these up special just for us, uh, and uh, these are going to be some, kind of our trademark. You'll you'll stand out completely differently from anybody, everybody else uh, because uh, nobody else has these but us, and uh, this means you're part of the Get a Nation Kingdom when you wear those proudly. So there's one right there. That's a woman's shirt there. So we'll get more of them on, and we'll get the real thing on here in a couple of days, show you, give you something to get ready for your uh, Georgia weekend. I don't know if you're going to wear orange or we're going to wear blue or whatever you're going to wear, but uh, certainly um, that'll be nice. And a uh, little bit of cool air coming in, I understand, this weekend, but it's not going to stay. So sounds like the, uh, the the T-shirts might be just fine. And if not, we should have some other ones in by then. Uh, anyway, so I hope you have a uh, gonna have a good couple of days. I want to say my friend Jennifer Lay, uh, if you're interested in getting your tailgating on for Georgia, this is a good way to do it. Uh, this is a microwave pressure cooker. Many other uh, things she has there. To if you go to uh, to uh, jenlay.mytopword.com, topword.com, and, and look at what she has there. There's lots of these. Um, Containers that you can take, you can put them in the refrigerator. You can take your baked beans with you. Or you can take your pasta, whatever you're having. Salads, they're great for that. Uh, and uh, you never have the right kind of thing to put out there uh, when you're trying to do your leftovers, or even to cook a meal and take it with you portably. And Tupperware is a brand name around for a long time. If you want to cook an entire meal, there's a way to do it with the microwave pressure cooker. If you have other uh, foods that you want to prepare and put in the uh, many, many containers, they have all kinds of things that you can get. Uh, Christmas coming up, Jennifer's got that too. Uh, if you go to uh, that, that go to uh, Tupperware Jen on Facebook or go to this particular uh, website and check them out. Uh, and also remember Tupperware, if you're trying to raise money for your little league team or your football team or whatever, they have a deal where you can get 40% back toward your your group. So uh, check them out. Um, contact uh, Tupperware Jen today to host a party, earn free hostess gifts, uh, and uh, find out about the organization thing, your fundraiser you can do for them. So uh, go to Jen Lay, go Jen Lay, J-E-N-L-A-Y dot mytupperware dot com. And find out, purchase your product, and search Tupperware Gen on Facebook. Tupperware is a perfect way to serve that GNK tailgate spread or a perfect gift for the holidays. All right, that's going to kind of wrap it up. I think it's everything for tonight. Thank you for your participation in the show. Thank you to the Iron Duke as well. And thank you uh, to Graham Hall, who's always does a terrific job. Tomorrow night, I believe we're going to have Chris Doring, and I think we're going to have David Moulton tomorrow night. And we have a few other guests that we'll get uh, on here that maybe some go back to some of the ones we have now. Tony Barnard's due to come up soon uh, because, obviously, Florida Georgia Week. Lots of stuff happening here. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Hope you have a, a good Monday night. We'll see you back here tomorrow night. Thank you.